but let's be honest. Sometimes we know what the Bible says, we know what it means and even how it applies to us, but we just don't feel like doing it. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for a deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning in to the fifth episode of Working with the Word. Everything so far has been leading up to this episode. We needed to begin by establishing our solid why as a foundation. As we've been discussing the how with the inductive study method, we hope you've taken some time to open your eyes and your mind as you've observed and interpreted God's Word. But today, we get to the most important step that takes Bible study and makes it Bible living, application. We need to finish our Bible study strong by asking the question, what does the text mean to me and how can I use this in my life? To unpack application today, we want to first define what application is and what it's all about, then move right into suggestions for guiding us into application. Next, we will define some challenges we will face in this step, and then finally offer some motivation to get ourselves going. But before we get started in this episode, we want to offer a warning. This episode is going to contain some preaching. We know you don't usually subscribe to a podcast to get preached at, but let's be honest. Sometimes we know what the Bible says, we know what it means, and even how it applies to us, but we just don't feel like doing it. Maybe it's too hard to love our enemy, or too painful to cut off the sin in our lives, or too uncomfortable to fix our hope on Jesus when everything around us seems to be falling apart. Sometimes we just need the motivation to do it. And Jeff and I have those same struggles. So if we get a bit passionate today, please know that we need this sermon just as much as anyone else. So let's get started by talking about what we are doing in application. What is application all about? As we've been using some of those questions related to some of these steps of the inductive study method, we've been talking about how with application, the question becomes, what does the text mean to me? Big difference from what is an interpretation of what does the text mean, now we're taking it, and now we're looking at what does it mean to me and for my life. Only at this point, after we've done those first two steps. If this is the first episode you've turned into for working with the Word, welcome. Now hit pause and go back to episode one, <laughs> because before you listen to some of the considerations about how to apply God's Word for your life, we strongly recommend that you lay the foundation with the first four episodes. Remember, we need to do careful observation and find the proper interpretation of God's Word before we're able to make the real life-changing application. So we think about application being talked about or even described in scriptures. We've referenced 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 before a couple of times. Reminder, that passage says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. God's Word is going to help us to be ready to make change in our character and our conduct as God's children. To stop short of any of this is to deny the power of God's inspired Word. But we also see in James 1.22, where the Bible clearly condemns stopping short of applying what the Word has to say. In James 1.22, James writes, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We can 
hear the word all day long. We can observe, we can interpret it till the cows come home. But if we aren't doers, we are simply deceiving ourselves into thinking that we are good Bible students. So when it comes to application, that step of Bible study where I have to look at what does it mean to my life, I see there are three options of something we can do with application. Number one, we can just do what it says. Now, obviously that's a little bit vague, and we'll talk about that a little bit more on how to help guide us through that some, but thinking about the idea of just taking what God's Word says and doing it. Is there a command that needs to be followed? Carry it out. Is there something that needs to be abstained? Remove it. Does change need to be made? Repent. This is what God expects to see of those who are rightly handling the Word. But unfortunately, there are two other things that we can do in the application step which take our good observation and interpretation and lead to bad application. We can just ignore application. Sometimes we know that what the Bible says is going to be uncomfortable or difficult or painful, and it's way easier in those moments to simply ignore what we know needs to be done. But remember, if we're just hearing, if we're even just observing or interpreting God's Word, but we're ignoring the doing, we are deceiving ourselves. But thirdly, we can take an application and we can twist it. It's a sad truth that there are people who do careful observation to know what God's Word says, and even proper interpretation to find God's meaning in the text. But they blow all of that up by improperly handling the Word to mean whatever they want it to mean. The question of application is, what does the text mean to me? Not, how does the text fit into what I already believe? So everything we're doing here with application is trying to take the good steps that we've used so far. We've put in such good hard work into observing the text and really digging ourselves into it, immersing ourselves into it. We've taken the effort to ask some difficult questions or to learn and research new things by interpreting and understanding what God's meaning is. So let's make sure we bring it home by taking it and applying it to my life and doing it, not ignoring it, not twisting it, but asking that question, what does the text mean to me? So we've built our foundation, right? You've done your observation, you've done your interpretation as best as you can. Now you're ready to move into this application. So we want to offer some suggestions to help us achieve that application and what it looks like. Application is really where our Bible study needs to get deeper. So back in episode one, Jeff, you talked about what got this idea started for us, and you mm-hmm. talked about, you know, what does deeper Bible study look like? What does that mean? And I think it really begins here. Obviously, it means going deeper with observation and interpretation, but you can go as deep as you want with those things. You can go as far as you want in Greek word studies and sentence diagrams, but all of those things will be meaningless no matter how deep you go unless the word goes deeper into us. And that's really what it's all about. The word of God goes deep. Its character just, you know, digs deeply into our hearts and lives. So let it. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, so we're not guilty of proof texting. I want to just lay some foundation here with the context. So in Hebrews 3 and 4, there's a warning of not letting the Israelites' unfaithfulness 
um, be our unfaithfulness. And so there's a warning against our unfaithfulness today. And he quotes from Psalm 95 and some other Old Testament scriptures. Mm -hmm. But the point that he's driving home to us is those Old Testament scriptures need to speak to us today. These scriptures ought to pierce us deeply. And so that's really what application is all about, letting the word of God go deeply into my life. It's easy for us to say application is just do what it says. And we talked about how vague that is. We need something more specific, concrete. What we need are some guiding questions to to light the path toward application. In a book entitled Knowable Word, Peter Kroll suggests three spheres of application. There are three H's, head, hands, and heart. And I find these just super helpful, so we're just going to use them and summarize them here. So first of all, when you apply, you want to begin with the head. The head represents everything we think and believe. And so the question we ask here is, what needs to change in my understanding of God and myself and other people? So we do not want our applications to be misguided. Hopefully we have already established a proper interpretation, but our applications can also be misguided. And so our head applications keep us grounded to think God's thoughts about him and think about ourselves properly and think about others properly. An example of a head application might be you're reading a passage of scripture that describes God's character. And if we view God as a demanding tyrant, then our view of God is going to make us an impatient father. I found myself doing that. And I'm going to discourage, I'm going to exasperate my kids. Instead, I need to think about God's compassion and his grace and his patience. And when I get that into my head, that influences the way I treat my children. So my head needs to properly think about God so that my actions can follow. So once we've applied to our head, we need to apply to our heart. That represents who we are, our character, our attitude, our values, our hopes. And so what needs to change about who I am, where my heart is? And here's where we really have to be honest about who we are. I mean, none of us like to see our own faults and our failures, but it doesn't help us to ignore those things, does it? Or to justify those things, because then you won't be able to change. So an example of a hard application might be, say you're reading Philippians 4 that talks about be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And you think about where your heart is and you identify the fear and the anxiety in your life. Those things are hard to identify. And instead, we determine to replace it with contentment and trust and peace. So it's that that change of heart that needs to take place deep within ourselves and also of how we treat other people. So once we've established our head application, our heart, now we need to apply it to our hands. Ultimately, our application has to involve some kind of action. What do I need to do to serve others or increase my faith? What action steps am I going to put in place into my life in order to accomplish what God wants me to do? So I've been preaching from 1 Corinthians recently, and we recently studied 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient, love is kind, and later on it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, when I think about love, that has to apply to me. And so say there's a person at church that I've you know, had some dif- difficulties with, 
Maybe I'm feeling at odds with them. Here's an action step that I need to take. Maybe I need to pick up the phone and I need to call them or I need to invite them to lunch. I need to repair that relationship so that I can be patient and kind. That's what it means to love. And so one of the greatest challenges is trying to balance these three spheres of application, head, heart, and hands. If we get imbalanced in any one of these, then we're going to fall short somewhere. So Kroll says that if we only make head applications, it's going to make us theological, but not very practical. So we're going to have maybe the right ideas about God, but we're not necessarily going to be living them out. On the other hand, if we only make hands application without our heart or heads, then we're going to create an emphasis on just ethics only without regard for becoming more like Christ. Ultimately, the goal is to have our head, heart, and hands to be imitating Christ. And if we miss that goal, really we're missing application. So these three spheres are really helpful in trying to summarize, giving us these guiding questions in making application. Yeah, that's so true, Emerson. You're thinking about how we mentioned we want to do what it says. I like how we're able to immediately get into the fact that there's more than just the Nike swoosh with that, though. Having those Mm -hmm. guiding questions are so helpful for us to think about how this passage is actually going to to play out then, other than just feeling maybe lost with application. But as we've done with each of these steps in the inductive study method, with observation, interpretation, and even finding our own why or how we study the Bible, we've talked about some difficulties we can face or maybe some things that could hinder us or get in the way of trying to accomplish what we want to here. There are surely difficulties in application as well. We find that when it comes to carrying out God's Word, we need to pull out our red pen and make sure that none of these mistakes are going to be found in our lives. So the first one we want to comment on and bring it to attention is when we jump right to application. The American author Jack Canfield said, Repetition is the key to learning. If there's one thing we want you to learn from episode 2 through 5, it's careful observation leads to improper interpretation and then finally life-changing application. I think we've said that every episode, at least (laughs) once, from episode two through today's episode as well. And why we've been stating all that is because it reminds us the importance of having the first two steps, the foundation. I mean, even before that, the preparation of a good attitude, Mm -hmm. but that good attitude that sets us up to observe God's word, to see what does it say, to soak it in, to retain that information, to then take that information, the things we either don't understand are the things we need to flesh out, are things that will help us understand God's meaning better by doing that good interpretation. There's such a danger to just get right into the application step and say, what does it mean to me? What do I need to know? I opened up my Bible this morning, and I you know, Andy Carr read right through Genesis 1 and 2, and what does this mean to me? Yeah, I mean, that's a noble goal, right? We want to open our Bible, and we want to see what it says for my life. But yeah, we we have to take it in steps. We have to be cautious that we don't jump right into that without doing those first two steps. And I think we've made that point many times, uh, but it's a noble goal that we want to apply God's word, but we have to do that properly. For sure. And as someone who has struggled with slowing down pretty much in everything in my life, I have this desire to immediately get into the how am I applying the Bible in my life right now. And that's maybe a default for me in my Bible study without doing those first two steps of the inductive study method. I'm trying to get better application, so I'm just jumping right to that, when really the way to get better application is to do better observation and interpretation. 
But I want to go on record on this program as saying that I'm working on on all of that, making the adjustment to slow down in my Bible study. And it's helped me drastically to find that real life-changing application of God's Word. So don't underestimate the value, the reward of hard work and observation interpretation before application. So if your default is just rushing through to get to the application, I think my default is the opposite. So that brings us to our second challenge, difficulty, is just completely forgetting application. And Jesus was really big on this one. The Sermon on the Mount is obviously filled with really rich application about true righteousness, having righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees who did things just to be seen by people and be impressed by their followers. He talks about not worrying, not loving money, loving your enemies. But all of that is concluded with the parable of the wise man and the foolish man. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a man who built his house on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. That's Matthew 7, 24 and 26. And in another place, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So it's really the same point that James makes that you referenced earlier in James 1. Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. And so this is where my default is. I'm often you know, excited about the observation or the interpretation, and I get snagged up there and just completely forget about this last step. You know, I love thinking about the meaning of Scripture. I think about the academics and diving into the text and making those head applications, but if that's where I stop, then my Bible study is really incomplete. I need to go further than that to my heart and my hands as I think about what needs to change in my life, in my heart, and what I'm doing to serve others. Yeah, as we've talked about, I think it's episode two, right, Without, with outlining and some things we can do to help us, or maybe, I can't remember where all that comes into now, but <laughs> as I've done more outlining over the past oh, two to three years in my Bible study, I've really enjoyed outlining books of the Bible and just looking for those big themes and saying, oh, here are some repeated phrases that help me, and having a method. As things have somewhat changed and I've tried some new stuff, I've really enjoyed that part of of digging into something, but if that's all I do, then I'm missing that final step of the application like you just said. It's so mm-hmm. easy to get caught up in, wow, this makes me feel like I'm doing lots of hard work and I feel like I'm really learning a lot and growing, but none of that helps if we don't actually put it into practice. Absolutely. So our third difficulty when it comes to application is making application, but making application for someone else first. One of my favorite pictures in the Sermon on the Mount is found in the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. Jesus says, Judge not that you will not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Probably everybody in the world knows verse 1, judge not. And a lot of people put the period there. That's not really where Mm -hmm. the sentence or the thought ends. What Jesus talks about, though, when we get down to verse 5, he does talk about the fact of trying to help our brothers and sisters. In a sense, it is 
making judgments about how to help someone in their walk with the Lord, but doing so by preparing ourselves first. So we need to make sure we don't take application and shove it onto somebody else before we look into our own lives and check on all of that. Have you ever been listening to a sermon or a podcast and thought, man, I really need to share this with Greg. I don't know who Greg is. Greg is just a random name I picked out of the air. But you're thinking and you're listening to this and think, boy, Greg really needs to hear this message and he needs to get his act together. He's just not doing good with his attendance. I'm going to find the CD for this. And I'm going to ship it to him so he get, you know, listen to it. Maybe he'll start coming to church again. You may be right, and maybe Greg could use a dose of scriptures in his life and could use some thoughts that are based on good Bible teaching. But before we start going around and we're botching up eye surgeries everywhere, let's make <laughs> sure we remove or at least are working on removing any logs that keep us from being able to lovingly help our fellow disciples of Jesus Christ. I've made a promise to myself that before I catch myself spouting off a dozen other names of people who I think need to hear the most recent sermon I've heard, even if it's one that I've preached or I'm preaching in the moment, that I'm going to be looking at myself first as to how what I'm hearing applies to my life. It's so interesting to read that passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus talks about the log in your own eye and the speck in your brother's eye. You know, people were making that same mistake in Jesus' day. And I think people have been making that stake really for as long as they've been alive. We tend to, I think this is probably the most challenging of all three of these difficulties. And the most common is we read our Bibles to help other people rather than to uh, heal ourselves. Yeah. So let's tie up with two truths to help us put all of this into action. And we hope that these two truths will motivate you. So application is what Bible study is all about. It's not really about observation or interpretation. Those two steps lead you here. And when we do our best to rightly handle the Word of God, as our theme verse, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, then we will make that life-changing application. We've said a lot about application over today's episode, but here are the two truths that we hope will help you put it into action. First of all, it must be practical right? That's exactly right. We see that for application to really make an impact in our lives, it needs to be something that we can do. So that means it has to be practical. Now, practical does not mean that it's going to be easy, nor does it mean it's going to be impossibly hard. Application must not be vague either, but rather for it to be practical, it has to be specific. Synonyms for practical include words like feasible or possible or doable. So when I read Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, if I'm going to read that passage that talks about seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first, and then my application is I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to leave my family and move into a hut on a beach with only a paper Bible and no lights for the rest of my life, that's not a practical application. That's not something that is, needs to be done. That's not doable or possible or even feasible. But if I look at that passage in Matthew chapter 6, and I know that my social life or even my family life or my technology time is keeping me from seeking God's kingdom and righteousness first, I can, and really I must, if I'm going to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, reorganize my thinking to make sure that God is the priority in my life. So application has to be usable. You have to be able to implement it in a very specific and tangible way. And so our second truth that we hope will motivate you is that application is the hardest step 
in this inductive method. You know, when we come to this step, it really, when you are faced with the hardness of this or the, the weightiness of this, we have to embrace that rather than say, oh, it's just so hard, I'm just not going to do it. So that's what we mean by, you know, I hope this motivates you. Yeah. When we first started uh, planning these episodes on observation, interpretation, application, you know, I was thinking that interpretation was going to be the hardest step because it sounds so daunting. It sounds so academic and challenging. But really, as we were working through this, I realized that application is the hardest step. And why is that? Well, ultimately, I think it boils down to this. It's here that we will stand or fall before God, right? Mm -hmm. God doesn't expect perfection from us, but he does expect obedience of what we know and what we read in his word. So when we get to the final judgment day, we're not going to be judged by how much we observed in the text. We're not going to be judged by the interpretation of the text necessarily, but we will be judged by how we applied that. And that is what gives this last step its weight. Mm -hmm. It requires brutal honesty with myself and with the Word of God and examination. And so look, if, if your Bible study, if my Bible study isn't sometimes uncomfortable, maybe we're just not honest enough. And so application, it's the hardest step, and we need to embrace that. So we challenge you to not shy away from the hardness of this, but embrace it. Let's bring this home with a text that is rich with things to observe and interpret, but ends with application. 1 Corinthians 15 is about the resurrection of Jesus. The Corinthians were questioning, are we going to rise from the dead? And there's so much in that text about the importance of trusting in God's power to raise our frail physical bodies to spiritual glory. There's even some real head scratchers when when you come to the baptism for the dead. You know, what does that mean and how do you interpret that? But the point of 1 Corinthians 15 is not just to believe in the resurrection. There is a final application that must be made. In verse 58, Paul wraps this up by saying, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain, in the Lord. So if we were to look at this verse with the three spheres of application, head, heart, and hands, they're all there. First of all, there's the heart. Paul says to know that your work is not futile. Secondly, he says in your heart, be steadfast and immovable in your faith. And then lastly, how do we apply this to our hands, to our work? He says, abound in your work for the Lord. Application is where we stand and fall before God. So let's embrace it. Let's be challenged to do what God says. Amen. So as we wrap up today's episode, our challenge is once again to think about your most recent sermon you've listened to, whether it's from this past Sunday or maybe it was something you've listened to yesterday, on Monday, or another time. Make sure that you are applying it to yourself before you damage others with bad eye surgery. Whatever the sermon was about, if there was like a main text you could go to, if you can do the observation interpretation with all that, that's great as well. But think about what is at least the main message and what was the takeaway from your sermon. Make sure that you are looking to yourself. I'm looking at myself. I'm saying, Jeff, what does this mean to you before I start talking about Greg again or any of those other people I might have in my mind? I'm looking to myself. 
Thank you for tuning into Working with the Word today. With the conclusion of episode five, we are done covering what we believe to be the foundation for how to get started with good Bible study. This has by no means been a comprehensive discussion of all things Bible study related, but we hope it has helped you, even over these past few weeks, to mature in your personal study of the Word. If you've enjoyed these first five episodes, and more importantly, if you have found them to be helpful, we ask that you would do us a few favors. First, if you would rate and review our program on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And second, if you wouldn't mind sharing the program on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, especially with those other people who you think could really benefit from this program. We appreciate all of you have been already been doing this over the past five weeks. And thank you so much for your help in all of this. We really do appreciate all the support, feedback, and prayers related to working with the Word. To God be the glory. Over the last five episodes, we've found our why, we have evaluated our how, and now it's time to execute our what. So next week, we are going to start working through Paul's letter to Titus together as an example of what it looks like to use the inductive study method in real life. If you are willing to take on an extra challenge, we recommend you spend some time in the observation phase of Titus before our next episode. So read it, say, three to five times. Jeff and I are really excited about this next segment in our program, and we hope to give accessible, practical, challenging, and inspiring insights of the skills and confidence that will help you in your deeper daily study of God's Word. If there are any questions, topics, or books of the Bible you would like for us to cover in future episodes of Working with the Word, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity.